Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. If you haven't already, please be sure to go leave us a review. We really love reviews. Like, really love the great reviews, and we're kind of okay with the bad ones as long as they help us get better. I'm Ben Trueblood, your host for the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. Here in the studio today with producer Nathan. What's up? And Katie. Hello. Along with uh, Chris Cox, and we're so excited about the conversation. Katie, why don't you tell us a little bit about Chris? I Well, Chris was born in Texas, raised in Alabama, and is currently serving as the youth and young adult pastor at C3 Hampton in Virginia. Pastor Chris has devoted his life to reaching students as a mentor and speaker across the nation. He's the creator of The Collective, a community for youth pastors and leaders to build relationships and share resources. Pastor Chris has a heart for discipleship and spends most of his time developing context-based discipleship strategies with leaders and their teams. Chris, we are super excited to have you with us. I'm so glad to be in the building with the team at Lifeway. It is exciting. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this conversation. Thanks for having me. Man, we are honored that uh, you would spend some time with us. Uh, Chris, We in hearing your story uh, about your ministry journey to this point, uh, man, I would love to start there. We're like, We'll talk about the collective and the cool things that you're doing with regional gatherings of youth pastors and then uh, the discipleship strategies that you coach and mentor on. But man, I'd, I want people to, to hear your journey of be, being in full-time ministry because when you and I talked... Man, I was blown away at the things that you walked through, uh, and it is, it's a great story that I, I would love for people to become acquainted with. So uh, take us back and walk us through uh, your journey of, of being in student ministry. Absolutely. So honestly, I could say that my journey in ministry started probably from the day I was born. I'm a PK, um, so my dad is a pastor. And um, just all throughout life, um, from the time that I was a kid, I can just remember in some way, um, some shape and form, being a part of ministry. Now, we were military, but we were from Alabama. And we're from a small town in Alabama where like full-time ministry is almost an anomaly. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't know of anyone that really does ministry almost as a job Uh, where I'm from in Alabama. And so I was not familiar with that concept. However, I had a passion for ministry. I had a passion for reaching people. Um, We've done a lot of outreach with my father and my mother. Um, And when we were stationed in Maryland, uh, specifically, when we we would go to Baltimore and we would just do outreach and we would uh, reach out to people and just being able to have that type of impact. And then from there, watching my father walk with people in discipleship, it just really left this impression on me that that stayed with me through my adult years, even though I went to college for uh, computer science. So I went to college for computer science and I got into my field and I worked at AT&T for about, uh, it was about six, five or six years mm-hmm. in when um, the ministry that I had been doing kind of as a volunteer, I would go home to Alabama and put on youth conferences and different things like that, almost like the youth pastor for the city, because no one was really doing youth pastor, uh, was doing youth ministry um, on that, like on that scale in my city. And so I was being exposed to different things after college in Atlanta, as far as youth conference, of course, like all the, a lot of major youth conferences and leadership conferences would come to Atlanta. I would take what I've learned, go to Alabama, reproduce those things in a, in a whole different context. And then 
there was a ministry that that saw what I was doing and they started talking to me about full time ministry. And I was like, well, what is what is that? You know, <laughs> like I thought I would just always, you know, work my secular job and just kind of volunteer. Um, and so uh, basically what ended up happening, is we went through this process that was almost like a two year process of them bringing me on to staff full time at that church. Um, and I just kind of walked through some things in that um, where, you know, I was I was coming on as a full time person, but I really wasn't able to, you know, youth pastors, we really don't get compensated sometimes <laughs> as a full full time. So I, took, I took the pay cut because I was just just interested in the work of it and showing up for students. And I would take all of my vacation time, maybe about by uh, April, I would be out of vacation time because I mm-hmm. took it all on games and showing up for students and doing different things like that. And I was juggling the both of them, my full time job and my ministry job for a few years while I was waiting to come on um, full time with the church. And then uh, eventually I did uh, start working at the church full time. And I just kind of walked through some things where like I had to make a decision to be faithful to God, even taking a cut in my like finances and different things like that. I just had to really dig in and be faithful to God and see what discipleship was like without being paid for it, to be honest. Mm. And, uh, and so we did that for a while and times got a little rough and I had to walk away from some stuff. I had to lose some stuff, had to take some sacrifices in my life, had to uh, give up my apartment gave up my car and all that good stuff. So if there are any youth pastors that's listening and you walking through that, tr- listen, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but it eventually led me to having a conversation with um, the pastor where I am now after that season, after like immediately after that season, maybe about three months after um, that chapter of my life closed at that ministry in Georgia, I was just kind of on a faith walk and I was just trusting God. And I took every all of my passion for discipleship, all of my passion for reaching people, what I was experiencing. And I just put to a T-shirt, I just started kind of living off of that for a few months until I had a conversation with um someone who was a youth pastor at the time here in Hampton. And um, I didn't even know they were looking for a youth pastor. It wasn't like a job interview or anything, but I met with um, who's my pastor now, Leslie Francisco. And we just had a conversation and she came back and convinced the whole staff to like move me to Virginia and uh, bring me on staff here in Hampton. So that's kind of the short version of how I got to where I am right now. Yeah. Uh, if that. <laughs> Man, it's such a great story because scattered throughout that like you're taking what you've learned uh in atlanta and going back to your small town in alabama and serving at that time as kind of the community youth pastor because not a lot of the churches in the area were doing student ministry and so you were able to go and serve the teenagers of that community in a way that they weren't being served previously and man what a good lesson of taking what we learn and going and immediately applying that and, you know, you talked about the sacrifice and giving up the car and the apartment and, and man, there's a hard stretch in there. And then man, what stands out to me and what I remember what you just said and what I remember from our conversation on the phone, too, is that through that T-shirt business that you started, man, God was faithful to provide a way in that faith walk season for you to stay connected to ministry as well as, man, the real tangible stuff of getting you through from a financial standpoint and being able to pay the bills and, and carrying you until that next spot was ready for you there in Hampton. Yeah, absolutely. Ben. And the strength 
um, behind that whole uh, particular like moment of my life came from these authentic relationships that I was able to build while I was serving and while I was the youth pastor at that church in Atlanta. I, I made it my intention to connect to other youth pastors mm-hmm. and leaders and had a group of youth pastors who built the brotherhood. We even still have our group chat today and when there's a birthday or when there's a time for us to reach out and just check on each other. We still do that. And some of us are not um, still in youth ministry. Some have gone on to do other things. But there was such a strong bond that we built as youth pastors that when I walked through that that particular phase in my life, those youth pastors, they would call me and they would be like, hey, Chris, I'm doing a youth conference and we already have speakers, but I want you to be the only person that's a vendor at the youth conference. And they mm. would just let me set up a table and sell those t-shirts. And honestly, I was bringing in more than I was trying to hold the, jo- the job. <laughs> and um, But I was still able to work. I was still able to do the work and I was able to have so many meaningful conversations with leaders and see that need for leaders to come together and have each other's back. And I think that's a reason why um, I still do what I do today um, with the collective that I know we're going to talk about because I found so much strength in those authentic relationships that I built while doing student ministry that when I was in the transition phase, those brothers held me down. Mm. So uh, it's super important. Man, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that that Chris just talked about something that we are big on, and that's relationships with other student pastors, because they know your world, they understand your world, and to be able to have those people that you can be real and authentic and say, look, I'm struggling with this, or a victory in this, and to have, you know, you you use the word brotherhood, and that's, I think, a great descriptor for this, that there's a group of people that are going to be with you through all the stuff. And so you were a part of something like that in Atlanta. And then uh, you go to Hampton where you're serving now as student pastor now. Uh, And talk about the collective, because I know that that's a vision that God kind of put in your heart from your experience in Atlanta and being part of a tightly knit group of people like that. And then you got got to Hampton and God put on your heart to start something like that there. So walk us through what you saw when you got to Hampton that said, hey, we need the collective here. Absolutely. So when I got here, um, you know, it was a it was a cool transition moving from Georgia where there's no water to moving here <laughs> to Hampton <laughs> where I'm literally on a peninsula. Right. Yeah. But what I started to realize uh, a little bit after I got here was that, yo, we are really on a peninsula, even in a ministry context. It's mm. like we're a disconnected body um, because I started, you know, having conversations and uh, reaching out to friends who were in the area and asking them after talking to other people that I had just met, hey, do you know this person? Um, And they were like, no, but I'm trying to get connected to this and I'm trying to do that. I want to get into schools, but I don't know the FCA guy, but I had already met the FCA guy within a few months of being here, you know, just by stepping out and, and, and making an intentional effort to uh, reach out to other leaders. Like, I believe that you have to keep the same energy that you use to build relationships with students to build relationships with leaders around you. That's good. I think that is super important. You have to do it with the same passion, with the same energy, with the same intentionality. You have to see it as a part of your call. I believe when I came to Hampton that I was placed in 
a, a community that was larger than my church. Mm. It was the people around me. It was the leaders around me. And um, I remember having a conversation with a guy um, by the name of James. I, I met a guy by the name of James. He's a youth pastor who actually, when I was going through that transition, um, there was only one church that I applied to because I saw their their intro video and I said, that would be a dope place to be a part of. <laughs> so there was only one church that I applied to. Right. And come to find out that church was here in Hampton. And so uh, I came here and I interviewed for the job. And I guess James was here the next week interviewing and he took my job. Y'all let me just say that on the podcast. <laughs> I love but it. No, but it was so it was a, it was such a. <laughs> it was such a God ordained thing because like when I came here um, and I connected with the church that I'm at, I like looked out of the front door and immediately across the street was the building that the other church was working out of where they had their, their offices at. And that's where I interviewed. And I said, wow, like I already know the staff there because I interviewed with them. We it was a great interview. Things were great. He you know, they just decided to go with James, which was cool because like I got to go across the street and say hey to them when I moved here. It was like, hey, I got the job somewhere else anyway. Now, <laughs> but I got to go across the street. Now, they're great people. So I got to go across the street and say hey to them. They were like, Chris, you're here. Wow. Like, we're still on the same team. And then mm. I said, now introduce me uh, to James because we're, we're, we're trying to reach. We have the same goal. That's to reach students in the city. Yeah. And so I connected with James and we started talking and we started meeting almost like bi-weekly um, at the time. And out of those meetings, we talked to each other and we said, man, we should start something within our city because ministries kind of feel disconnected in this area. It's like everybody's doing their own thing and uh, nobody's really reaching out intentionally to connect with other people outside of a like, let's just go have coffee. No, right. like let's sit down and talk about what your strengths and your weaknesses are. So possibly you can find those strengths in me, or I can find my weaknesses uh, in you and your strengths. And like, let's find a way to resource each other to eliminate those areas that we're weak in so that we can make a collective impact on reaching the city. Man, that is and a, so, that's a huge thing. Listen, uh, for a group of student pastors to come together and take that approach, that's a yeah. huge step. And it's so rare and I, you made a you made a statement just a minute ago that I think has to be the mindset for a group of people to do what you're describing, and that is we need to realize we're all on the same team. Yes. So and we and we have such an amazing opportunity before us yeah. because like one of the things we did at our last round table before you know things kind of shut down last year uh when i started the session we had about a hundred leaders show up to this round table here in hampton mm. and i put a number on the screen and the number was one hundred and seventy seven thousand eight hundred and seventy eight. basically what i did was i researched the number of students that were in the school districts of every youth pastor that registered to come there. And I added all those numbers together and I just put it on the screen. I said, does anybody know what this number mean? And I got blank faces. Like nobody was like, what is, is 177? Like, is that your salary? Like I wish, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I said, no, this is how many students, all of us together have an opportunity to reach 
if we come together and partner together. This is how many students are in all of our districts combined together. And like the harvest is plentiful. But, you know, I know scripture says the, the, that, that laborers are few, but I think partnerships are few. Mm-hmm. Like if we could partner together, we could go after the harvest and really make an impact in the city. So, yeah. Man, that is so right. That same team <laughs> mindset. Uh, and I love how you put it too. Like scripture tells us that the laborers are few, but partnerships are few. Um, mm. Guys, we, we, t- we travel around when traveling was a thing. Uh, and it'll, it'll be a thing again, no doubt about it. Uh, but the way that Chris is talking here, like that really is a rare thing for a group of, of leaders to have in the same city. Too often there is either a competitive kind of rarely stated, but kind of in the back of our minds, competitive thought Mm. or a fear of if we partner too much, are our students just going to start going around to all these other places? And Chris, I love the way you've set it up with, look, here's our community and there's no way we're going to reach all of them on our own. It's going to take all of us together. Right. Yeah. Ben. And let me tell you, like, I, if I be 100% honest with you, I've had a student or maybe two, one I know for sure, that started going to one of the youth ministries of someone we partner with in the city. Hmm. And I was excited about it. Yeah. Like, I was excited about it because they, like, ultimately, like, as much as we call them our students, they're really not our students. Hmm. Right. Right? Yeah, that's right, they're God's student, and uh, and and so seeing them be able to find what they need in that place, like I was excited about that. Number one, because I introduced you to him. Yeah, so right. I had a a part in helping you find what you need, and I didn't introduce you to him because I thought he was a bad guy or, you know, or yeah. that wasn't a good ministry. I introduced you to them because we're on the same team. And so to see that happen, like I just took the perspective of like champion in that, like it, being excited about that. I love what you said about like you brought the number to the table and that's something we've actually been talking about um, on the blog and on student ministry that matters is the importance of actually knowing the demographics of your community, how many students are there, what they're interested in, what their backgrounds are. Um, and I think that's so important. Uh, you you also said, I wrote this down, we have the same goal to reach students in our city. And I think obviously you know the importance of the meaning of the word collective, but I wrote down too, it's a collective goal over competition there. So thank you for sharing that. I think Absolutely. it's so important. Yes, that is amazing. Yes. Thank so, you. So Chris, you so that the collective then is what you call this gathering and that kind of birthed out of you and James spending some time together and move forward. Uh, and now you, you had mentioned right before things kind of shut down a little bit that there were a hundred of the other youth leaders in your community all gathered together. What does, uh, you know, COVID aside, I know there, there are some challenges and things like that right now, but talk about where you see the collective going in the future. Like, uh, I know that this is something that you're excited about and something that you are heart connected with. Uh, talk about how you see the collective continuing to move forward and maybe some of the benefit even during COVID of being connected to other leaders in your, in your community, the benefit that you guys have seen in that. 
Absolutely. So one of the things that uh, when we first started and it was just me and James, the collective, the collective of us, two, <laughs> uh, we would <laughs> we would uh, we would come together every fifth Wednesday and we would do a combined youth service. And we would bring both of our youth groups together on a night that he was already doing youth services. We did our youth uh, services on Sundays during service. So uh, we didn't have a midweek and I was wanting to play around with the idea of doing a midweek. So to to have someone who was already doing it and already has kids that are involved um, to be able to come and they didn't have a. Uh, their location, they didn't have facilities really for the youth ministry. So we were able to bring our facilities. They had more students coming on Wednesdays because they were already doing it. But even the kids that I wanted to kind of get acclimated to coming on a Wednesday, if they came to a youth service that there were already students at, they would think, oh, this is this is nice. Maybe I should come to church on Wednesday nights. And then to have his students be able to come to our facility and say, oh, this is cool. They got pool table. They got this. We can hang out with, with each other and then have an amazing time together. So what I see the collective being is us like providing our strength so that like if there's a youth ministry that is doing amazing at reaching and building relationships and they have kids that are coming consistent, but they just don't have the facilities. Well, there's a church that has a facility. And if mm. we're working together, we can bring them in and it benefits all of us because yeah. we're all doing, we're all reaching and doing what we want to do. So um, the way that's kind of like spilled over into our COVID experience is when things first shut down, we started meeting on Zoom every Monday as youth pastors because None of us were experts <laughs> That's right. in pastoring in a pandemic. Like, who do you go to for advice on how to be a youth pastor in a pandemic? Nobody. So mm -hmm. we were all coming together to just ask questions together and and see what each other were doing. And then we came it's, we came up with a schedule together to say, OK, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get on Instagram live and try this. But every night we're going to have a different youth uh, ministry go live on their their Instagram channel and every one of the other youth pastors, we're going to push it on our social media to invite our kids to that live. So Monday night, it was one church Tuesday night. It was another church. And we did this like every week, every Monday, you knew it was this church mm -hmm. and we would push it on our social medias as if it was our own. Right. And so then and we would make sure as youth pastors that we were there because we know if students get on the Instagram and there are only two people there, they're probably going to click off. Yeah. But if they get on the Instagram and there are already a, a number of people that's there supporting, keeping the comments going, engaging in conversation, then they're probably going to stay. And so as youth pastors, we said, well, at least you're going to have the, the, the 15 of us youth pastors there commenting and engaging. And something amazing started happening. Like we started getting to know uh, each other's youth. Like they would they would look for us to show up on a Monday. There goes Pastor Chris. Uh, there goes Pastor Danny. There goes Pastor mm. such and such, you know, and it was just it was amazing. So we started to do that and we thought it was only going to last maybe about three or four weeks because, you know, we wasn't expected to stay shut down <laughs> this long. <laughs> yeah. So so since then, we kind of evolved and done some other things. But that was one thing, especially right when all this was happening and there was so much uncertainty that we were able as a collective group of people to come together and find a solution to still meet to still meet students where they were 
And even then it was like we were reaching students we had never seen before, never heard yeah. of before. And uh, they were telling their friends about it. So those are some things that I hope to continue to do with the collective. Man, I, I love it. I just love it so much because they're, you're talking about students that are in school together all the time anyway, right? Uh, so like they're in their neighborhoods together, they're in schools together, they might go to different churches and for us to put walls, uh, it, it's the only place in their life where there's walls up, right? Like you, we, we, we go to this church and we've got to stay in here when they see each other at school all the time. Yes. Yes. That was one of the most rewarding things about the collective when, when myself and Jane first started was that when we opened up our doors that first time and these kids started coming in, we saw so many students who were like, you go to my school. Like mm. you, like, and imagine what that does when they leave um, youth group that night and they go to school the next day, they already have some common ground with someone else to be able to connect with. We don't know where these kids are going to meet back up later in life. That's the importance of, of fellowshipping because you never know what your next, you know, season of life is going to look like when you go to college how rewarding would it be to see someone who you shared youth groups with um in college and you have a a, a place to connect in because of course you're gone from home and things like that but we saw you at youth group at the collective together and it just helped so we we did back to school events we did all kinds of themed out events together and they were just so effective because we were sharing space. We would make it work. If we were going to his his church and they didn't have lights and things like that, I'd pack up my lights and we'll bring it over mm -hmm. there. If they were coming to our church and we needed extra mics and things like that, we would just become the solution to whatever our issue was so that we had nothing standing in between us to reach students. I love how much that models for students as they watch you collaborate yeah. with other student pastors in the community and work alongside each other. The example that sets for students too, as they look at their peers and the other people in their lives where they're tempted to put up walls that that serves as such a great example. Yeah, it Absolutely, totally does. Yeah. Chris, you, uh, some of the other things you're involved in, you uh, travel, speak, you do, uh, some mentoring and, uh, of other student pastors and their teams. And one of the things that you work on with that is helping leaders develop context-based discipleship strategies for their teams and their churches. So I'd love to hear you, like when you go into a place and you talk to them about developing these strategies, what does that look like? Give us some, like, here's your, here's what a context-based discipleship strategy looks like in what you do with, with other leaders. Absolutely. So I tell people all the time, um, as much as I love to like communicate the gospel and preach all that good stuff, like I really love it. But even more so, I love having conversations because conversations help you understand context and understanding context helps you really get to the root of um, of whatever your issue or whatever you your goal is. Understanding context helps. Um, and because I've been experienced in uh, doing ministry, um, that's why I'm so grateful for my journey, because I've served in ministry where there was no budget. I've served in ministry where there was a small budget and I've served in ministry where there's adequate budget. I've served with a job. I've served without it. And um, so being able to have experience in different contexts, but still understand that there's some 
amazing thing that can happen when you approach it with a heart for discipleship. Um, it has enabled me to be able to connect with youth pastors and leaders on a more personal level and help them de develop strategies to still be able to win in relationships and win in their youth ministry, regardless of what their context is. So um, I find a whole lot of joy in just getting on the phone with youth pastors or sitting at a dinner table with youth pastors. And even when I'm traveling and I'm speaking different places, I've always I always found myself like trying to get there a day early or mm. trying to stay a day later just to schedule that. Let's sit down and talk um, and talk to the heart behind what you do, because sometimes you can get so uh, busy with the work of things that you don't really get challenged on your heart perspectives. And so being able to do that and being able to bring clarity to like what the mission is, regardless of the context is kind of like where I've put a lot of my energy and time into lately. And I've developed some uh, discipleship strategies off of that, that I've been helping people in their teams with. So I'm excited about that. Man, it is clear. Uh, and in our phone conversation and as we've connected before and, uh, just in your just in your social media, it's clear that you have a heart for networking, for mentoring, uh, for connecting with other leaders. Uh, man, so clear. I wonder uh, who are some mentors that you've had in your life? People that have poured into you that you would say, like, man, I've learned a lot from these people in in your ministry journey. Absolutely. So when I, right before I became a full-time youth pastor, I was, I was uh, serving at my church as a youth leader, but I was also serving at another church in Atlanta called Victory um, Church. And I was serving under Jeannie Mayo and she was very, very influential in how I looked at, um, connecting with students on a smaller level. Mm -hmm. I got to be one of their small group leaders. And so that's where I learned the value of really connecting um, relationally. Yeah. Um, I've learned a lot about leadership. I've learned a lot about consistency with uh, one of my mentors by the name of Mike Owens, who was the youth pastor um, at, a, at a church in Atlanta for a long time. And I just watched how his relationships were so consistent. Like he would mm -hmm. talk, he would bring us in a room and, and he was, he would even, he was even creating, um, he has a, also an organization that brings together youth pastors and leaders. And I've gleaned from that. Um, and then also Jeff Wallace, um, who you guys may know, I know you guys yeah. do some work with SLU in Orlando yeah. and Jeff Wallace was very influential in my life when it came down to just keeping it straight with me, especially in my tough seasons. When I told him I lost my car and all this other stuff, he was like, Oh, you in good company. And I was like, well, that's not what I thought. <laughs> Thanks Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I thought you were going to see. So oh, I lost, about two or three so I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like well now i know what i have to look forward to but i appreciate people like jeff who has been in youth ministry um for a while in that that just kept it straight with me and kept my heart right as it relates to what i'm out here doing to reach people yeah man i want to uh i want to give you just a chance to tell people how they can connect with you because there's no doubt in my mind that when people have heard the story of, of what you're doing through the collective and man, you never know, there might be somebody who's really struggling in ministry right now. And is in one of those seasons that you described as kind of that faith walking season, uh, man, I, I'll be honest with you. If you're listening to this podcast and that's you, Chris is not going to 
be bothered by you reaching out and saying, Hey man, I know you walked through this. How do I walk through it too? That's the kind of person he is. So, uh, Chris, why don't you give, uh, everybody how they can connect with you if they want to find out more about your ministry or if they want to follow up on, maybe they want to get something like the collective started in their own communities and want to talk to you about that. So give, give us the info. Absolutely. So all of my social media information is Chris Cox Speaks, but that speaks with a Z. So Chris Cox Speaks with a Z um, on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook at Chris Cox. Uh, and you can also check out my website, which is www.chriscoxspeakswithaz.com. And um, you can see information on Discipleship Strategy Collective. There's a vlog that you can see where like when I'm, I'm traveling on YouTube and different things like that. When I'm traveling, you can see how I'm inviting people and discipling young people and mentoring people as I travel and speak. Um, and so you can glean from those different things. Uh, and yeah, so everything is Chris Cox Speaks, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Um, and I would love for you guys to, to check it out and maybe rock one of the T-shirts on There you go. Absolutely. Chris, it has been so great having you on uh, the podcast today, man. Thank you for the time. And uh, man, we will connect again soon, I'm sure. Absolutely. I appreciate this time. I've gleaned from you guys from a, for a long time. Uh, use your resources to help me do youth ministry better. So it is absolutely an honor uh, to to join you in this effort. Man, it's great to have you. Hang right there, everybody. We'll be right back after this quick ad. Get everything you need to plan a weekend retreat for the girls in your ministry in one place with the brand new Girls Weekend Box from Lifeway Girls. Featuring video teaching sessions from author Caroline Saunders, planning guides, and everything else you need to make your girls weekend a success wherever and whenever works best for your ministry. Learn more at lifeway.com slash taste and see. And we're back. So we just finished up an incredible episode with Chris. And man, there's a lot there, guys. Like it was packed full of stuff. So let's go around the horn here. That means it's a baseball term. Why? Because at the recording of this episode, pitchers and catchers are reporting for spring training. Nice. So baseball season has officially begun, everybody. It's hard to believe with with as much snow is coming down in Nashville. <laughs> That's, that yes. spring is actually around the corner. <laughs> That's right. So what stood out to you guys from our episode with Chris? Gosh, I think just Chris's heart for collaboration. Um, it says a lot about him. And I just love that he was willing to be kind of the first to the table to say, hey, let's take a collaborative approach to our community. Um, it's something that we've talked about a little bit before on the road. Um, and I think in many conversations with youth ministers, Ben, you touched on it a little bit is just that the importance of, um, letting go of competition. And I love to like just what it says to students. I think it's probably easy to, to look around in a situation, especially if maybe you're not hitting goals or whatever, whatever your measure of success is to start looking around at the other ministries in your community and see the impact they're having and to compare, um, to compare that. And so the thought I had was just what if that attitude change was more about the impact that you could have collectively versus comparing your ministry's impact to the impact of other ministries in your community. 
Yeah, you mentioned in the episode when students see their leaders collaborating together and getting a vision for the body of Christ working together, Mm -hmm. that that will do the same thing for them. Like they will begin to connect more and they will begin to accomplish the mission of God collaboratively when they see their leaders begin to do it. And that stood out to me too. The effect that that collaboration has on the teenagers themselves is absolutely massive. Producer Nathan, what about you? Yeah, two things that really stood out to me, and that's kind of one of them, but the way the way he said it I thought was so good is that whenever you're willing to collaborate and they brought all those students together and all of a sudden the student says, hey, I recognize this other student. Mm. They go to school with me. I just know from my context of doing student ministry, I may have had one or two students that went to the same high school or middle school or whatever the case was. They may not even be in the same grade. They may never see each other. Yeah. You know, and how... We know as Christians, as adult leaders, how important it is for us to see other fellow Christians walk in the walk and say, hey, oh, this is somebody that I can see partner with, like they're doing it too. How much more so is it important for students to see that and kind of grow that camaraderie? Um, When I was back in North Carolina, when I lived there, we did this really well, I thought, with several churches in our area. Mm -hmm. And so we had a a lot of students that we would get together and we would do a weekend retreat kind of a deal once once a year. But we also met pretty much quarterly, too. And that's one of the huge things that came out of it was students being able to see, oh, this person goes to this other church. And they were excited about that. And then I also loved what he said with, and I think it really is a heart check when he was talking about, we had a student that started going to another ministry for my ministry. He wasn't jealous. You know, yeah. we have to ask the question, do we would do we want this student in our ministry so we can disciple them or do we want them discipled? Yeah. And I think that's the heart check we have to ask. And and like he said, he was totally okay with him going somewhere else because he knew the person. He introduced them. And I discovered the same thing was, you know, that maybe that ministry just helped fit that student a little bit better. Maybe they had other friends that went there that they connected with and I saw them grow in their discipleship. But it was friends of mine who were student pastors because we were already working and collaborating together. So those two things, are, I think, are huge to me. That really stood out to me, too, in just being, and the way that you phrased it just now, Nathan, was, am I concerned with me discipling this student or am I concerned with them being mm-hmm. discipled? And that's a great way to phrase that. And Chris talked about that and how excited he was to see one of his students because they're still plugged in, right? Like they haven't walked away. They're actually in a situation that's better for them. You know, we've talked about on the podcast before about how discipleship isn't a conveyor belt. It's not the same process for everyone because we're individual people. And sometimes things connect better with other people than with us. Or, you know, there's a number of ways that that could fracture out from there. But the reality is, is that that student that Chris mentioned, the ones that you talked about just now from your experience, Nathan, is they're being discipled and being discipled in a better situation for them. It doesn't mean your situation's bad. It just means that they connect better with what's going on over there. You know, one of the things that stood out to me was when Chris talked about having the same energy to connect with the other leaders in your area as you do with students. And you could, you could tell from the way he talked about it, that that's totally the way he operates, that he's not just saying that because it sounds good. I believe, I know Chris, we've talked a few times. I believe that he seeks out other leaders in order to build relationship and to connect with them in this way. And, you know, we hear uh, from time to time, Man, I've really tried to do this student ministry, uh, 
a collective like thing. We've tried to start a local network and it just hasn't worked. It's fizzled out. Well, that statement to me would say that's, that's probably a reason why sometimes these things fizzle out is do we put the same kind of energy into connecting with each other? Because we know that there's ultimate kingdom benefit as we do connecting with our students. Yeah. I love how much, and it's not just other student ministry leaders too. I mean, we had recent episode um, with Yasmin where we talked about connecting um, with other ministries and organizations in your community. And I just think about how large a network could grow if you put intentional energy behind getting to know all of the ministries and all of the organizations in your community. Obviously, all is a blanket statement there, but just the strength in actually reaching your community. And I th- one of the other things that I thought was so important that he noted was when he brought that number to the table. And I said this within the episode too, but you really do have to know your community. And I think there's a temptation there when you start looking at numbers to feel overwhelmed at the need um, and overwhelmed at the number of teenagers there are to be reached. Um, and I just think about the impact that could have um, personally as you think of it more as a combined effort than just, oh my gosh, I have to reach this number of students yeah. on my own. That's right. Well, that was a great episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that you, if uh, you want to find out more about starting a collective like experience in your own community. I hope that you reach out to Chris. He really will respond and uh, connect with you on that. We'd also like to hear what you think of the new format of the podcast. Uh, We're just a few episodes into that new format. So please reach out and let us know what you think there. This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We'll see you next week.